One meeting has the ability to change everything for the better in your business, even your life. Your challenge is to get past the Dobermans and get that meeting. And you're about to learn how from the father of contact marketing. It's a very persuasive episode 482 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I said, welcome to Small Business Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing malarkey. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, you, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And that's exactly why this podcast exists. But if it's not enough, you can grab a copy of my popular marketing book, The Boomerang Effect, as well, that I wrote exactly with you in mind over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Big episode today. Wall Street Journal cartoonist and the father of contact marketing, Stu Hynek, joins us to explain how you can get a meeting with absolutely anyone. (laughs) And trust me, he knows how. His now wife was a penthouse pet when he made contact with her for the very first time. He has other more serious uh, campaigns to share as well. Uh, Motivated listener shares ideas they've picked up from this show that have led to a 40% increase in revenues. So, of course, they win big in this week's monster prize draw. And I'll let you in on next week's guest. As per usual, team, there's marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Now, before we go and meet the father of contact marketing, Stu Hynek, you may have noticed that I've been off the air for a few weeks. And you may have remembered, if you are a long-time listener, that in the last episode, I mentioned that I was off to the UK to see my beautiful daughter and uh, to have a bit of a break, uh, and that I was going to organise a whole lot of interviews while I was over there. Well, I did go to the UK. I did visit my beautiful daughter, uh, but I had a pretty ordinary time, and I came back early. (laughs) Oh, this is not going to paint a great picture of me, the world, worldly global traveller. I just didn't enjoy London. And I'm sorry to all my London listeners, all my UK fans, if you're out there. I know there's some of you. It was just a big city. I just wasn't ready for such a big city. I live in a little city in Australia. And it just freaked me out. Um, added to that. So I kind of just, yeah, I just was schlepping around, not enjoying myself. I also have sciatica, which is a pain in the back, literally. And that was making my time there worse. Um, subsequently found I have Ross River fever, which amplifies the sciatica. So I was like wondering, I'm walking like 20, 25 kilometres a day around London, wondering why am I in so much pain? Why am I so miserable? Added to that... I got mugged in Paris. <laughs> I know. Awesome trip. Oh, I can laugh about it now. Had my wallet taken, my money, my passport, a few other things. Jeez, that created some pain in itself. So I'm like, you know what? I'm coming home early. I cancelled 
the six interviews that I had set up. I will do them um, at, at some point in the coming weeks because they were with some pretty cool businesses. But um, there you go. That's an honest kind of overview of what's been happening in my life. And and I've got to say, thanks to all two of you who inquired about my well-being. <laughs> uh, in fact, one listener emailed me and said, um, are you dead? It's like, how am I going to respond to that if I am? Uh, but um, yeah, there were two of you who did inquire, one through email, one through Twitter, um, which kind of, it was a bit of a hit to the ego. I've got to say, you know, it's like maybe 2000, but you know, like here's the thing with podcasting, like I listen to a lot of podcasts. I never reach out to the podcasters and say they're doing a good job and stuff. So, you know, it's like, you know, you get what you pay for, right? But um yeah, it's an interesting thing about podcasting is that we are listening while we're in the car or, you know, jogging or at the gym or in bed and we're just not in a position to respond. So I guess some of you have probably been wondering, where the hell's Timbo? Here I am. Um, and I've been digging deep to find the motivation to get back on the bike. I did an interview last week. Got to tell you, won't tell you who it was, um, you know, to wind the small business big marketing machine up again. And it was a really, really crook interview. I couldn't actually run with it, which I was a bit disappointed because I was like, I was ready, I was ready to come out punching. Uh, anyway, uh, enough, enough. I found the motivation. I'm back. I'm excited. And I've got a rip interview for you right now. So let's go and find out who and what that's about. Righto. Now, Stu Hynek is a cartoonist from the Wall Street Journal and a bloody good one at that. But he's also a very clever marketing guy. In fact, Russ Klein, who is the CEO of the American Marketing Association, has labelled Stu the father of contact marketing. And that's what we're talking about today. You see, Stu is the author of two books, the most recent titled Get the Meeting, which are laser focused on ensuring you get past the gatekeepers, I call them Dobermans, and you get that meeting with that person that may well change your life. Because you know that meeting has the potential, that one meeting has the potential to change everything in your business or personal life. I'm sure you've already experienced meetings like that and you're like, how do I get more of them? How do I get to that person that is a key decision maker around something that I would love to get for my business or my personal life? So I suggest you grab a pen and some paper, because this one is just full of beautiful, beautiful contact marketing lessons. Stu's going to share how to get a 100% response rate using personalized campaigns. He's going to give you a step-by-step approach to creating contact marketing campaigns. He's created ones that have returned on investment in the millions of percent. And there's so much more. I started off by asking Stu why a Wall Street Journal cartoonist has become an expert in helping business owners get the meeting of a lifetime. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's a great question. I have a crazy background. I am a cartoonist and and my, my cartoons appear in the Wall Street Journal. But I'm also a marketer. In fact, I'm a Hall of Fame nominated marketer marketer twice. Um, and my education is in marketing. Cartooning has always been um, something that I've done, done as a passion. But actually, I've mixed the two throughout my career. And if you could see me, you'd, you'd see that, that I have white hair and my career has lasted a long time. So I've been using them for... I have, I have seen you That's and true. You, much, you, you look much more a cartoonist than you do a Hall of Fame marketer. But hey, take both. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so what kind of out of interest? Because you, your cartoons, having had a look at them, and be, you know, it's it's podcasting not being a visual medium, but they're those classic cartoons. I mean, it's just it's a very famous style that seems to have been around for decades. Well, it has because I have, but yeah, it's been out there for quite a while. And and I've got to say that that cartoons. I, I, well, I want to say two things. One. We're going to talk about getting meetings with people, and I don't mean yeah. to say that you need to do cartoon or use cartoons and be a cartoonist to do it. But, but I've found that throughout my career, being a cartoonist and using my cartoons has been an incredible um, secret weapon, really, to get through oh, to no, just about yeah. anybody. No doubt. In fact, I just looked at your uh, Twitter before going on air, and I noticed you reached out to Gary Vaynerchuk, the legendary. You know, <laughs> I'm in the process <laughs> of. Yeah, <laughs> you're in the process of yeah. using a really big cartoon. So we'll come to that. Um, but what we do know, Stu. Oh, actually, sorry, you wanted to say two things. Was it what was the second? Oh no, no, that was it. Well, basically, I'm saying that that cartoons have been an incredible um, secret weapon for getting mm. getting in touch with people that I should never be able to reach. Really, I should never be able to do yeah. this, but. But it's perfect that I get to do it, um, and and then I also just want to say that we're going to be talking about contact marketing, just the the the, um, the use of micro focused campaigns to get a hold of people that are of great importance to us. So those uh, those campaigns can take all kinds of forms, and they don't necessarily require cartoons. Phew. So we don't have to be a legendary cartoonist well, in order to, <laughs> in order to get the meeting. <laughs> now, Stu, what we do know for sure is one meeting has the ability to change everything, yes. both in our business life, in our personal life. What's the one meeting that changed everything for you? Oh my God. I had so many, well, if you think, if I think back on my life and I think if you do and if all of us and the audience do as well, uh, of all of the things that have been advancements in our lives and in our careers, they've all happened because we connected with someone. Mm. And, and, and of course, then you have to, in order to connect with people, you have to get meetings. But if you're asking about my best or most momentous meeting, it's probably how I met my wife. (laughs) My wife wife is a penthouse cover model and I saw her in the magazine and I said, oh my God, well, I was working on on a film project. Um, It just sort of all happened to coincide. So I saw the picture and I said, oh my God, if I was going on this fantasy, that's what I was going to build. I was looking into... Uh, into um, making a film based on my old high school fantasy of going to one of those countries and finding one of those beautiful blonde women and bringing them home. And so I saw this picture and said, oh my God, well, I was about to go there um, to get footage of the place and the people and so forth. And here was this picture of this woman that I, I, I mean, I've just said to myself, if I was going on the fantasy for real, this is the woman I would bring home. Oh my God, who is she? And so we, I connected (laughs) Got the meeting. <laughs> Hang on. I, I, Are you still there? Picking <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, I am. Sorry, I was just picking myself up off the floor. <laughs> you, you are quite serious. Uh, your wife, uh, a Danish model, was a penthouse cover girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah true, yes. true. Okay, awesome. Uh, this is fantastic. Uh, for those uh, millennials listening, Penthouse was <laughs> a top porn magazine back in the day uh, that our dads kept in the top shelf of their their their, their ensuite. Um, so, uh, what did you do? How did you get the meeting with your, your who's your now wife? 
Well, I mean, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of contact marketing at the time. I just wanted to right. interview her. But, but really, interviews, well, you've probably noticed this. that Is interview code for something? You just wanted to interview her? No, no. I, I wanted to interview her. I wanted to meet her. And oh, I know what you're saying. But no, I just wanted to interview her. And, and you know, I wanted to interview her on, on camera for the film. And whatever happened afterward or as a result was, was, um, was just extra. <laughs> But, cool. but, cool. but here's the thing I wanted to, to say is that, you know, I, I talk about sending cartoons around um, and we'll talk about other things that people have done to get meetings. But, but one of the things that you can do to get meetings is invite people on your podcast and interview them. And I'm sure you've noticed that you've made some incredible connections because of your podcast. And that is a fantastic point. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons to do podcast or to create helpful content, whether it be a YouTube channel or a blog or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, um, you're my 482nd guest. Wow. Um, and, and podcasting has, it's, it's added, it's, it's created a huge Rolodex for me, virtual Rolodex. Uh, my network is out of control and the people that I can call on now and the meetings that I can get. Exactly. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's yeah. extraordinary. And you know as well, you've got your own podcast. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I also, you know, I use a lot of different methods for reaching out and breaking through to people, but, but podcasts and, and just the, the offer of media exposure is an incredible contact device. I don't know if, you know, it doesn't have to be a contact device and you don't have to be trying to sell them something or, or, uh, that you have a second step in the, in the relationship, uh, all planned out. But, but certainly it, you know, it is a great way to connect with very important, very busy people. And so it, it qualifies as one, one mode of contact marketing. We're chatting with Stu Hynek. He is, he's, he's married to a penthouse cover girl. That was, that's a new bit of news that I got before. I didn't get that in the research. He's also the author of Get the Meeting. Stu, why do you think it's so hard to get to the right person? Well, I mean, for one thing, people are busy. I, you know, people like to say, well, nowadays... People are busy. Well, and I don't know that it changed much. People are busy, in fact, particularly important people. And um, you know, if, if you're busy, then you just there's not much bandwidth left over for for new people and new things. And uh, and so, if you're someone who is calling out of the blue, oh, that's an expression we use here. I don't know if it makes sense. Yes. Okay. Good. So, if you're just calling out of the blue. Um, they don't know who you are. They don't know why you're calling. They don't know why they should take the time to talk with you. Um, it, for all they know, it could be a, an utter waste of time. And so, so that's probably why. If, if you're reaching out to the kind of person who we want, who we like to target in contact marketing, which is someone who has the the ability to change the scale of your business or your career, um, maybe even overnight, if they became dream clients or dream partners. Um, um, it, they, these people are busy and they've got a lot going on. So, so just by, by, just by definition, they're not going to have a lot of extra time to talk to people they don't know. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And that, then it sort of extends down to the Dobermans, as I call them. Uh, those people, the gatekeepers, I think you call them. Funnily enough, you have a Doberman as I a do. pet. I practice with her. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like it does. It extends down into the people below them. I, I had a guest on previously, Steve Sims. Uh, he has a concierge business in um, in California, in Hollywood, actually. And he's one of his clients is Elton John, 
and he talked about, um, you know, it was the whole the whole interview with Steve was about how did he get a client like Elton John, and one of the things he talked about was the baby Dobermans that sit between you and Elton. And in Elton's case, there are many. So each step of the way, you had to figure out what what was it that that baby Doberman needed? Was it a pat on the head? Was it a bunch of flowers? Was it recognition? And give them that in order to get through to the next one. So, um, Well, you know, you call them Dobermans, but I would call them vice presidents of access or or talent scouts. I'm, I'm really a fan of, of executive assistants. I'm relieved when I, when I find one. I mean, when I encounter one. Because they're, well, I mean, if you're talking to the executive assistant, to the, to the chief executive officer, the CEO, then you're talking to someone who, think about it, I mean, they don't have a C-level title, but they are essentially on even footing with the, with the rest of the C-suite, essentially, because they report directly to the CEO just like the rest of the C-suite does. And yes. they work very closely with the CEO. And the thing is that, I mean, they've got, they've got lots, of, lots of functions, but one of those they were aware of is that they certainly do. Um, they they weed out the people that aren't supposed to have or shouldn't be getting any mm. any of their executives time. But they mm. are also and this is sort of the unrecognized part of what they do. They're also there to recognize and and spot and and um, almost curate things that the CEO never would have found out unless um, unless they unless the the executive assistant carefully handled the call and understood what the what the value was and 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 made some very quick decisions about whether the, the person calling should or should not be in contact with the CEO. So I mean the, I I'm I'm always I love it when I reach when I reach um, executive assistants first because they're usually facilitators. Well, there's a great lesson there already, you know, in terms of mindset. You know, we we pick up that phone sometimes or send that email with a negative mindset going, this is going to go to the EA, this is going to go to this, the person we really want to get to, secretary, and, you know, really, I'm banging my head against the wall. What you're saying is, no, no, have love for them. Be grateful that they're there. And and that may change the whole energy of the of the situation anyway. Yeah. So your solution to getting to the right person, Stu, is something you call, and you've been labeled, the father of con contact marketing. What is contact marketing? Well, so contact marketing is it's a it's a it's a really it's a fusion of marketing and selling, which already is a, is good news because usually those things are siloed and separate and working mm-hmm. at, at <laughs> in in different directions. But it's a so it's a fusion of marketing and selling in which uh, micro focused campaigns are used to create contact with high high value um, accounts and, and prospects. Micro focused campaigns. Yeah. Well it's I, I think the best thing to do because your book which I absolutely love, is full of examples. And I think you're a bit of a storyteller. You, you discovered contact marketing early in your career with a $100 investment that got you a 100% response rate uh, from, from executive assistance and brought in millions of dollars in business. So why don't you paint a picture of what that campaign looked like so we can understand the, the, the premise of contact marketing? Yeah, it, that's a great one to talk about too because um, you know I run a small business and and I started my small business using a contact marketing campaign. This, In fact, that one that you just asked about. And I think that's great for your audience because we all need to, as you say, we need to punch above our, our weight class and this is a great way to do it. And so, so in that, in that instance, um, I wanted to, I really had just finished college. I was, I, I was a cartoonist at the time. I was 
it was uh, being published in some of the local, well, local, I mean, Los Angeles is a big market, but they're local to Los Angeles. So I was being published in those papers and, um, and my degree was in marketing and I was anxious to go out. I, the thing I really wanted to do was work with the big magazine publishers at the time in the U.S. And so, um, and the other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to combine marketing and cartooning. So I was going to use personalization and cartoons and and use them in direct marketing in ways that I hadn't seen before. And so I, I had two very quick assignments that I got from from magazines. I don't know if you'll know these magazines. I don't know whether all the U.S. magazines, if, I don't know if any U.S. magazines are on or if they're at newsstands anymore. But um, but Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit magazines, do those? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, okay. yeah, we know Rolling Stone for sure, the music magazine, Bon Appetit, I'm assuming some kind of Cooking. is, the, is the, yeah. the food version of yeah. Rolling Stone. Or, yeah. So so I so I got these I got two assignments to, to create test campaigns. These were to, to acquire subscribers um, for the uh, to, to service the rate base of the of the um, of the magazines. So these two test campaigns went out against their controls. I don't know if that makes sense, so I'll just explain yeah. that control is in statistics, we always, you always test against a control group, and in direct marketing, you test against the most effective thing the marketers ever put out in the mail. And so, um, so in fact, if you tie their control, you've just tied the record. For you're always, you're always trying to beat the control. Yeah, always trying to beat the control. And so, this one, both of these beat the control. That's that's a that's a a crazy and wonderful outcome. So. Um, so I uh, immediately thought, okay, great. The thing I need to do now, because I want to spread this to the rest of the publishing industry here in the States, is I need to get a hold of about two dozen people. These would be um, uh, VPs of circulation or of consumer marketing for these big, big, massive um, print media companies like Time Inc. and um, um, Time Warner and Bonnier and Condé Nast and... Um, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes. Uh, anyway, uh, although I make the list go on and on, it was a short list. I really needed to reach about two dozen people. And so I put together a campaign. Uh, I, I didn't know what to call it, so I called it a contact campaign. And it consisted of a, an 8 by 10 print of a cartoon. Each one was personalized to each recipient. And it went with a letter saying, this is the device I just used to beat the controls for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit, and we should put this to the test for your titles. And you know, usually when I'm talking to when I'm talking in front of a group, I'll ask the audience, "Well, what do you think I got for a response rate?" And I, that's not really fair here, so I'll just flip. I'll just go right through the right to the conclusion um, that produced a hundred percent response rate. Not only that, so I got through to all of them, but also all of them became clients. So it was also a hundred percent conversion. And that you're right. That came from a campaign that I spent about a hundred dollars on. Um, so just to be, just to get really specific, you uh, you only need to get to two dozen people. Yeah, uh, very important people. Two dozen of them. You drew up a cartoon that was personalised to each of them. Yep. Um, you, can you remember? Like, what, was it just a funny cartoon that involved them? Well, it was. It was a. It was, yeah, I remember exactly what it was. It was two mm. two people walking in the desert, um, and then there's one of those. Desert crawlers that we used to see in the movies, <laughs> the the guy that's crawling through the crawling through the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and he's probably thirsty and um, the two guys were walking and pushing a cart that sells peanuts, which is probably not very help, helpful in a desert or to a desert no. crawler guy. Um, but anyway, so they, they there was a peanut stand and they, you could see that through the in the footprints in the 
in the sand that they had met and uh, crossed paths and interacted, and then they've now gone their separate ways. And so one of the, the peanut vendor was telling us, the other fellow, I, I got the idea when I read somewhere that Tim Reed could sell an igloo to, to an Eskimo, which is a saying here. I don't know if it's a saying there. Yes. But um, so each each one, went, I dropped your name into the caption, but each one, uh, each each person had their own name in the caption. And so that's the got form it. of personalization that I'm talking about. It's just, And you attach some kind of letter. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. But you know, look at that. There's there. Here is a, a small business. I'm just a single, single um, freelancer, and I ended up pulling in some of the well, the biggest actually, the biggest companies in publishing from a, from a contact marketing camp. My first contact marketing campaign. So what we need to do here, Stu, again, just to reiterate for those listening, this is not about being a great cartoonist and sending your art to people in order to get a reaction. Yeah. Uh, that's a good idea. Clearly, the idea is to create personalized campaigns, which you want to touch on. But if you do want to do cartoons or some kind of illustration to send to people and you can't draw like me, then uh, go to Fiverr. Go to Fiverr.com, find a cartoonist, and you can get that done um, without spending a whole lot of dough. You don't have to be a great artist. So the lesson here, Stu, is personalized campaigns. Is is contact, is at the heart of contact marketing creating personalized campaigns? No. Well, I mean, personalization is a factor, but but I would say that it's really... Really, the, the, the point of it is we want the people on the receiving end of this to say... Wow, <clears throat> pardon me. Wow, I love the way Tim thinks. So, mm-hmm. Because if you send something to someone or or offer, I mean, you're not sending anyone. I guess you're sending an invitation if you're going to have them on on your podcast. But but really, we're talking about sending something that certainly gets their attention, and but does it in a in a and does it in a in a clever and audacious way, but also in a very relevant way, and in a way that um, shows that you've done some research and you understand what they might need. Or you at least have some sense of what you can offer that might be timely and relevant to whatever they're doing. It's just it's not just. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't just be doing this to sell, I don't know, window washing services to the CEO of I don't know Xerox because he's not going to he's not going to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but but if it's relevant, so in, I'm going to role play. I'm going to role play. Yeah, uh, I'm looking for a new sponsor for this show next year. Okay. Yep. And an ideal sponsor would be a the, the you know, I need to get through to the marketing director of a large telecommunications company or bank or insurance company. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones who want to get in front of small business owners. They're the ones with the budgets and um, it would be appear to me to be a, a good match. Now, where do I start in terms of contact marketing? Well, I mean, you know, I'm a little on the spot and that's okay. I love that actually. So <laughs> thinking on the spot, here's what I would do. And, and you'll notice I didn't, I'm not even talking about a cartoon or I won't be. I would, no. I would put together, I would get a, I would get a microphone um, and it might be a real one uh, or it might, yeah, it's probably just a real one. Um, and I would get, I would have some custom packaging made up for your show and I would send that microphone to um, to the to the marketing director with a letter. Uh, it would it would be nice if it's handwritten. Those those seem to do mm-hmm. really really well. But I, a letter to the to the to the marketing director saying, um, you know, when you want to give your your company a voice, where do you go? 
And mm-hmm. and then I would explain, I would introduce myself. I mean, I, I would you would be introducing yourself um, and tell them about, well, you know, the one one of the wonderful things about your podcast, and it's it's unusual. It's really a great uh, a great thing about it is that it's it it shows up on air in um, I mean in the air um, <laughs> in in Virgin uh, Airlines. I mean that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know that's yeah. that's I mean I have a podcast that doesn't show up there, so so that's quite unusual. Um, and if if I, I'm so you know I would be talking about the business. I don't know what the, what the the people do in a business, but I'm, I'm going to assume that that the sponsor will will want to be talking to um, other business owners, small business owners, really. Yep. So maybe it's a yep. bank, maybe it's I don't know. Okay, so your your big idea there is sending a mic with some custom packaging, a handwritten letter with a clever line that's all about giving your company a voice. Yeah, because it's a it's a visual metaphor for what you can do for them. Yeah, got it. I got it. I think that's what okay. I would do. Now, now that's all very good. Um, easy enough to get the person's name and get the person's address, thanks to LinkedIn and the internet generally. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that, that package arrives. But now I've got a con, and I'm not going to assume that that person's going to call me. I've given myself a pretty good shot that they're going to call me because you know I've sent them an, a compelling package and and offer. But they're busy. They're not yes. going to call me. So now how do I? I've, I've still got to get. I've got to get to the EA, who I love. And they're very grateful for, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but how do I do that? Well, I want you know I want to add another. I want to add another element because because if we're really talking when we're talking about the new model, the new contact marketing model. See the the, the, the previous one, we would just send that out and we'd follow up, and we would get uh, whatever response rate we get because you'd be sending more than one. I would imagine um, we get. But the new the new model also includes a digital persistence track, and what we want to do there is we want to we want to set it up so that we so that the person we're reaching out to might be seeing our ads for a couple of weeks on, on wherever they go on the on on the web. And it's really we're talking about Google uh, display network advertising and, and retargeting. Does that make sense? Uh, I think what you're saying is I, I should be prior to sending out that mic um, somehow getting in front of these people through some some Facebook or Instagram ads. Well, really, really I, the, the, those could work, but I, but I'm thinking more uh, more likely it's through Google Display. So so that that <clears throat> those ads then can show up on any of two million websites, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. all the big news websites and so forth. So. So if, if so, what we want is to have ads showing up about your show. So mm-hmm. we don't really care whether they respond to the ads. We just want the ads showing up. And and what we want is when you when you then show send the golden mic. I don't. I didn't say it was golden before, but maybe <laughs> a golden mic. <clears throat> they get that package, and um, and they they put two and two together. They're thinking, oh my God, this is the guy. You know what? This is Tim Reed. This is the guy I've seen advertised all over the place. Mm-hmm. And and so now I'm hearing from him. So I, I think that, and, and then you keep running those ads. So there's a constant reminder. Those ads could be changing as you go through the, the pre-contact, contact and post-contact and, and, then, and then sales cycle. Um, you could be changing those ads around to remind them and keep them, keep them focused or, on your value proposition and just the fact that you want to have them as, as sponsors and, and think about that. You don't, I mean, I don't want people not to follow up, but, but all of that, 
top of mind awareness happens without before you ever even make a call. Mm-hmm. Right, so that that's the new model, and I, and and really, as part of the new model, I think that we we need to. I, I, I mean, in the book, I said reset. I don't know or set for the first time, but reset our our um, baseline for response for for contact marketing campaigns at a shocking one hundred percent response yeah. rate. And I know that's blasphemy and and heresy, but at least for marketers. But but the thing, the point is, actually, people are getting. Response rates as high as 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 one hundred percent. In fact, some of them have gotten more than one hundred percent response because people are so enamored with what they've gotten or how they were approached that they actually share it and pull other people into the campaign. Um, and 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 they they generate response beyond those who were who were actually targeted. It's pretty bold because your general response rate, when you talk to people, like, you know, some people say if you get 3 to 5% response rate, which I think is completely ridiculous, but then you're doing okay, you know, aim for 20. You're saying set the base at, at 100%. Yeah, I am because 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 we do get 100% response rates occasionally. It doesn't happen very often, but we do get them. And, and you know, actually, I was interviewing someone on my podcast and and they and it had a big effect on me. They were saying, you know, we did something just kind of like what you're talking about with um, with a, a display case for three baseballs, and we sent over sent it over with two autographed baseballs from the Red Sox from Boston. And but there was there was a third ball that was missing, and we said we'll bring that when we when we meet, which is known as a holdback device. I said, okay, that's kind of cool. And he said, you know what? We we thought we we projected that we would get a, an eighteen percent response rate, and guess what we got? I, I said eighteen percent. That's right. And I thought, and I was thinking to myself, what if you had said we think we're going to get a hundred percent? What would you have gotten? Because perhaps you would have pushed yourself and expected more, and actually made that happen. And and again, it does happen. Stu, I'm still a little bit unclear. So what you've got, we've got some branding activity, which is your Google display ads appearing in the in the weeks leading up to sending. Oh, did you get a text then? I my wife was saying hello. Are you talking oh. to me? Are you talking about me again? <laughs> you say hello to your wife and me. Would you just a little bit from down under? Um, now uh, we've got the display stuff. That's the branding, the awareness. Hopefully, these marketing directors that I'm sending the golden mic to will have seen that in the lead up. I send them the package. They go, "Ah, oh, that rings a bell. I think I've seen that podcast somewhere." Um, but I'm still unclear. I'm not going to assume that these guys are going to call me because I've sent them a microphone. How do I get to the EA? How do I get past the EA to find out if he or she has received the mic? That's surely that's the yeah. surely that's the make or break moment. Yeah. Well, and and uh, you know you you're going to be forearmed with with a little bit of knowledge of what where they're going, what the CMO has maybe been saying or quoted as saying in the press. Perhaps you'll you'll have you'll have gathered a little bit of a dossier so that you can speak relevantly about. The things that he said, he or she has said, um, where they want, where they want to go with the company and with the marketing of the company, and how you fit in. Um, and uh, by the way, I'm the I'm the guy who sent the the microphone. Maybe the, you know I'm starting to think now. Maybe the microphone would be a gold microphone, but it's actually chocolate, so they can eat it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Seems like they might even get that. <laughs> Eat your words too. I don't know. There are some wonderful things that we could play with in the in the copy, but yeah. But and I guess I guess following them up too on on like a, on their Twitter or their Facebook or their LinkedIn, and and I think you, in your book you talk about persistence, where you know there's a point where you just don't give up. 
I mean, you got to be like the, right. the, the dog hanging off the leg, you know? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't give up unless it makes sense for you to give up. But I mean, you don't give up. As I said, you've got lots of case studies. I'd love you to share another case study from the book, maybe one that's more on the small side of business uh, versus a large corporation trying to get a meeting with another large one. Which one comes to mind? Well, you know, there's, one of my favorites is, um, is the story of Dan Waldschmidt, a well-known sales blogger. He writes the, the blog Edgy Conversations. Um, and also, gosh, this guy's an amazing ultra athlete. He, he actually runs 100-mile races and wins. He's an amazing competitor. <laughs> but the thing that he does for business, actually, is he's a turnaround specialist. So those those guys have to they have to reach the CEOs of companies that are in trouble. And you know there is no list of those people. And and they're you know they might be I don't know I guess one would assume they're kind of hard to reach, but maybe not. Um, but he has a really interesting method for breaking through to these people, really targeting and breaking through to them. So what he does is every morning he combs the business news for stories of missed earnings estimates. And when he finds one, he has a beautiful sword made by the prop maker who made all of the swords for the movie Gladiator. I don't know if you saw that, but they're beautiful swords. They're, they're worthy of being in a movie. <laughs> you know. Um, fortunately, the blades are not sharpened. That's an important thing. And but uh, but um, the and the blade uh, has the CEO's name engraved on it, along with a with an inscription. If you're not all in, you're not in at all. And that gets packed into a wooden box, beautiful wooden box, felt lined with a handwritten note. And that note says, "Dear Tim, uh, business is war, and I noticed you lost a battle recently. I just wanted to let you know, if you ever need a few extra hands in battle, we've got your back." Now I don't even think that goes in its letterhead. There's no, there's no logo. There's no, there's none of the, the usual branding um, items or 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 elements. Just a handwritten, letter. just a handwritten note and a whole lot of audacity. Because actually, that sword costs him a thousand dollars every time he does this. Yeah, I was going to say that's not a cheap idea. No, it's not. It's not, mind you. Dan is a is a single practitioner. He probably has a couple of assistants, but he's a single practitioner. But he is reaching out to companies of much quite large companies um, to help them turn the, turn the company around. And so, well, I suppose the, the, the equation is, I mean, if you're going to spend a thousand bucks on a sword made by the props guy from Gladiator, uh, you, you, you're going to know what a, your cost of a, a new client is worth. So, yes. you know, if you can get across the line and it's, it's worth, you know, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars to you, uh, then it's a thousand bucks well spent. In, in Dan's case, here's what happens. He get he's getting a hundred percent response rate to that campaign so far, and and when he and that doesn't mean that he sells to every one of the CEOs that he connects with, but he connects with every one of them, and and his uh, it, every time he gets an assignment, it's worth a million dollars and up, so it's really quite worthwhile to him, and. <laughs> You know what's you know what's interesting is nobody's so this is an interesting sort of form of gift. It is a gift, but nobody's waiting to get a sword. Nobody's thinking, man, I wish I had a sword for my wall. <laughs> you know. But but the but the thing is that this is well, I guess it's really not quite a gift because what it is is a visual metaphor. It's not it's personalized. Yes. He puts the name of the CEO on the blade of of the, of the of the sword, but otherwise it's not personalized in that the the, the CEO he's done a on a profile scrape and found out that the CEO is really, really interested in medieval times or war or, or swords. It, it, I mean, it doesn't matter. 
right? <laughs> and so all, all that happens, it's a visual metaphor for the value that Dan will bring to you. And we, he knows you're in trouble. He knows you need the help. And he's willing to, to be a couple extra hands in battle and go to battle for you. Stu, there's a, there's a big component here that a lot of people could follow in, in terms of the content contact marketing equation. Um, sending the mic, sending the sword, all that, it's, it's a very clever idea and you need the, you know, the, the creativity to come up with that. But I would argue that's relatively easy, i.e., what can I send that's clever and is going to get noticed to someone I want to get a meeting with? Like it's a relatively easy question to answer. What happens when that person calls you and says, that's awesome, I love that sword, how can you help me? You've got to have your sales pitch ready, don't you? Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, you couldn't. You, right. you don't just send these things out and then sort of tag someone and then, you know, and then, <laughs> what if they call? And then crumble. What they call <laughs> so, so what, what advice have you got there? I mean, it's a whole, it's, well, it's sort of a separate equation, although like you said earlier, you the whole premise of contact marketing is there is a meshing of marketing and sales, which is very unusual. Yeah. Well, there is. And also, you know, if you think about the, the, the few examples I've shared with you, I, well, let's say mine first. I wanted to create direct mail campaigns for big direct marketers. Um, so I'm not looking for I'm not looking for tiny ones. I'm looking for the biggest ones in the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and you know when they use my <clears throat> when they use my creative work, well, you know, I, at first I had to just say, well, it, it just worked here. I, I assume it's going to work in other places. But I ended up. I mean, I was actually nominated for for membership in, in a couple of halls of fame, marketing halls of fame, for what I did. But yeah. I had to start somewhere, and and that was hey. I know that cartoons are the best read and remembered parts of magazines and newspapers based on readership surveys that have been done by magazines for and newspapers for decades. And I've just proved it with the two with the two test campaigns for Rolling Stone and Bon Appetit. This is ripe for you to do something about this right now. So, you know, I didn't I didn't get the meeting and then crumble. <laughs> you know, mm. I went in and said, look, I was very purposeful about what my yeah. messaging was. And uh, all of us need to do that. We need to know what it is we have to offer. And we don't want to just go in and meet them. You know? Absolutely. Many, many fall down. It's like, you know, it's like uh, some people create podcast episodes or blog posts and it's great. You know, they offer value. But like, what do you want people to do having read that, having read that blog or having listened to that episode? I mean, it's a, it's a fair and valid question. It's yep. about having a strong, a strong call to action. Stu, I feel I, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but again, um, I like to get clear on things and certainly on behalf of my audience, I do. So far, we've sent a, a chocolate golden microphone. <laughs> we've sent a sword designed by- It's a pretty cool uh, one. I think that's a good one. It's a pretty cool one. Yeah, yeah. I will shoot something like that. Um, uh, swords. We've sent cartoons. Um, the, you said there is more to contact marketing than just personalizing campaigns. What's the missing component that we haven't spoken about? Well, I, you know, again, I, th- I think it's there. There are a lot of ways to to reach out to people, and we've we've spoken about things that you can send physically or things that you can offer that are conceptual, like um, uh, like uh, uh, media exposure um, when they're when they're a guest on the podcast. But I think the the thing that I, again, I, the thing that keep I keep going back to over and over again is is we want people to be saying, "Man, I love the way you think. I love the way this person thinks." I, we've got to meet. So. Um, so you know there are a lot of different ways to do that. And some sometimes it's not we're not going to get quite that reaction. But for example, in in um, in how to get a meeting with anyone, my first book, I talked about using email in in ways that 
um, that help you stand out. And and the way that you do that is not by sending candy, of course, <laughs> through email, mm-hmm. but you write to, um, if you're going to write to someone who's very, very important, very busy, write to them in, in just a dozen words or less. So yes. that you really just get to the point and you respect their time. And um, I love that one. In fact, I've seen, um, I, I saw a concept uh, explained once, the nine the nine word email, which is an awesome, it's basically a question. Are, are you still interested in sponsoring a business podcast, for example? And don't go into any more detail than that. And then they get a yes and then you can kind of develop, yeah, so like that. Yep, yeah, keep yeah, going. Something like that, yes. Something gets to the point very quickly um, so that they can respond. I mean, I wouldn't tease... I wouldn't tease too much with it. I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure. But the question I haven't thought about it. So it seems like the question could be a good idea, but I don't. I wouldn't want to tease them. I wouldn't want to cause them to 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 use up extra time. And the other thing is that you could also then pay attention to the timing of when you send this email. And I've used this to reach, for example, Steve Forbes and Gary Vaynerchuk and um, Mark Benioff of Salesforce. And and so if you pay attention to when it goes out, that that actually also has a has a big effect. Um, you could send it out. Uh, the, the two best times I, I think um, actually come from from Mark Hunter, um, who suggested either doing it, sending it just before, let's say around eight in the morning, something like that, eight o'clock, sometime before they've they've um, woken up and and they're. It seems like many CEOs, many many of these uh, high-functioning fun- people in business, they do something for the weekend, but they also check in first. <clears throat> and so that's what the Saturday morning messaging is, is for. And, oh, yeah. and then before they delve into the next week, they're also spending a bit of time Sunday evening planning for the week ahead. And that's also a good time to send an email. But it's got to be really quick. And, and when that They'll either not respond or they will respond. If they respond, they'll respond within a few seconds of you sending it. It's really pretty amazing. And that doesn't cost you anything. So we've talked about methods now that have caught, that cost you nothing all the way up to so far a thousand dollars a shot. But actually that's not the record. The record is so far that I know of is, is $10,000 to reach one person. And then there's an, there there are a few records that have come up in the, in the new meeting. I mean, sorry, in the new book, get the meeting. the The highest res, or, or ROI on on a contact marketing campaign that I know of so far is sixty nine million five hundred thousand percent. It's crazy. <laughs> you can't just say that. You gotta I know it's, it's a it's a weird million percent. Yeah. Should I what? should I explain? <laughs> Well, you're going to have to. I mean, I don't or, believe you. Or is right this when we say, if you want to know, go get the book? <laughs> <laughs> I think I will. Anyway, mate, you have to explain that one. Give us the, give us the two yeah, I'm going to give you, the, yeah, I will. So, so a, a startup was uh, producing a tongue cleaner called Aura Brush, and they'd been around for a year. They were selling on on YouTube videos, and they were they sold about a million dollars worth of product that first year. And they decided the next thing they needed to do is get into Walmart. And again, I don't know if this is a reference that makes sense in Australia. Is, is Walmart known? Yes. Okay. So 6,800 stores, it's a big network. It's the biggest um, physical network of stores, I think, that exists in the world. And so they wanted to, they wanted to break into Walmart. And they they went the usual route. They they applied <laughs> to the buying department, and and that's probably a great way of, to be ignored. I, I don't, I yes. couldn't say, but I, I would imagine that. So it's a clogged challenge, a channel. So you want to avoid clogged channels whenever whenever you can. Yes. So they decided, okay, um, 
let's run an ad on Facebook, a contact ad. We will want to, what we want to do is get in touch with the buyers at, um, at Walmart and particularly the, the dental care buyer at Walmart. So they, uh, they ran an ad and they target on, on wall, sorry, on Facebook, just a tiny $28 ad. And the ad showed their spokesman with the, with the, uh, aura brush and it said, um, it said Walmart employees have bad breath, but you, if you carry our product, they won't, something like that. And, um, and they ran the ad and they targeted it to the zip code where the, where the Bentonville, Arkansas headquarters are for, uh, for Walmart. And they also targeted based on age range and, and education range. So they were trying to reach the, the workers, uh, and particularly the executives at, at the, the Walmart headquarters. Well, within two days, Walmart called and it, but it was the communications department, not the buyer. And they were saying, they were, they were asking if they were the ones behind the, the ad. Well, yes, we are. Would you take that down immediately, please? Sure. Well, of course we'll, we'll do that. And oh my God, was this run, was this run nationally? And they said, no, no, actually it was run just to you. Well, really, how'd you do that? And that, that conversation led to, gee, you guys are actually pretty clever at, at at um, digital marketing. Yeah, we are. We're pretty good at it. Well, you know what? I'm going to put you in touch with the dental buyer. The dental buyer gets in touch and says, okay, great. I love this. Um, can you support a, an order for 730,000 units, which is a million and a half dollar order? And they said, sure. And that order not only gave them a million dollar, million and a half dollar shot in the arm, but mm-hmm. it also asked the CEO, well, what what happened to the valuation of the company then? Because you went from being a startup that was that sold a million dollars worth of products on YouTube to being rolled out in all of the Walmart stores. Right. Um, what happened? What did that do to the valuation? And he said, well, I think that multiplied it by 10. We were worth, we our, our sales were a million. We, we, I think we had a, a 2X multiplier going there. So we were worth, worth 2 million before the sale. And then after the sale, they were worth twenty million, and and they had a million and a half. So, so the lessons to is uh, targeted Facebook ads to individual people. I like that yeah. using video, yeah. using video, which is another form you talk about a lot in your book. But uh, again, video is such a personalized thing; it's so easy. It's it sort is. of got this high value. It's got this low cost to the business. So, so I like that, Stu. One final point: you talk about, in fact, you dedicate a whole chapter in your most recent book to celebrities. You think we can learn a lot from celebrities when it comes to contact marketing? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's a movie, um, Hitch. Is that, is that, I mean, it's, and now, yes. by now it's kind of old, yep. but is that well known? You do keep asking about, is that available in Australia? I'm going to tell you, you're not going to believe this. We've got electricity, like, I, I, I'm going to say over a hundred years ago. No, no, no. But if, but if I said, <laughs> you know, some, I, I'm just talking about brand names. We they, don't, Hitch. they don't typically, yep. I mean, they don't even extend across the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. So I'm just I'm I'm trying to be cognizant of that. But well, so the movie Hitch with with Will Smith, um, a wonderful movie. It's a it's a romantic comedy. And the thing is, he is a he's a he's a consultant, a relationship not relationship but romance consultant. He helps people get together. In fact, he gets helps them get meetings. If you think about it. Yes. And he starts using a lot of, a lot, there's a lot of really interesting uses of contact marketing in that, in that, um, in, in that film. And in fact, I think it's about 33 minutes into the film. There's a, there's a scene where 
Will's character wants to ask um, Eva Mendez's character out on a date. That the, the, her character is Sarah Milas. So he wants to ask her out on a date. And the way that he does that is he has a courier bring in a box to uh, to her at, at her office. She signs for it. She opens it up. And there's a there's a walkie-talkie in there. And it's on. And she's he's waiting on the other end with his walkie-talkie for her to say, pick it up and say hello. And <clears throat> as soon as she did that, um, he says, I want to ask you out. And um, and it, I've got a very special thing I want to do on Saturday. Will you join me? And if the answer is yes, then the courier had another box with a wetsuit. <laughs> so here's the step two. Well, that's really, you know what? The thing is, when I send my cartoon pieces around, or when when Dan Waldschmidt sends his swords and, and others, when they, when they run their campaigns, they're never there to see them in action. So watching the movie Hitch actually gets you, gives you a chance to actually watch these things in action. And you can see the kinds of reactions that you want to be producing in your own contact campaigns. So awesome. that's, that's a great one. You know, there's another one though. When we talk about, when I talk about using audacity, I, I think there's no better example than, I'm not going to ask you if you know Chris Christopherson. So, um, but when Chris Christopherson wanted to connect with Johnny Cash, that obviously we're talking about years ago, but that's okay. Um, they, these things hold up over time. And so when Chris was in, in the army in, in Germany, he was flying helicopters and he for the army and he, he was thinking about what he was going to do when he got out of the, out of the army, what would he do with the rest of his life? And what he really wanted to do was become a singer songwriter and work with Johnny Cash, his hero. So to do that, he had to move to Nashville. So as soon as he's discharged, he moved to Nashville and pretty quickly he, he met through a friend. He, he got a backstage pass and met Johnny Cash at the Grand Old Opry. And it made about as much of an impact as, I don't know, <laughs> as stepping on an ant in other words yeah. none and and so oh gosh okay well let me see what else i can do so he then found it found a way into the studio where johnny recorded um he, he was working as a janitor in the building and he would sneak his demo tapes to to johnny's wife and his guitarist and nothing would happen nothing was happening with it so finally he decided i just have i've got to do something and so he was still flying helicopters for now for the National Guard. So he he made off with one of the helicopters one day and flew it over to Johnny's Johnny's estate and landed on the front lawn and handed him a demo tape. And that did the trick. <laughs> From that point on, Johnny thought of, of him differently. <laughs> But, you know, you got to think when I say, you know, you want people to be saying, I love the way you think. I'm sure that's what Johnny was thinking about, Chris. Yeah, it's a great question to ask. How do you want people to think about you? Uh, Stu, it's a great uh, it's a great concept, the whole contact marketing thing. I love it. You've packaged it, up, packaged it up beautifully. I think the book's fantastic. It's called Get the Meeting. Where can people uh, find it? We, we, you're not going to believe it. We have e-commerce stores down in Australia, <laughs> Stu. Uh, powered by electricity. Uh, it's a very, very forward company down under. I know. We'll get you down here one day. But where can people buy your book? So I will say it, it's available on Amazon. Barnes and Noble, yes. books, which is bnn.com, um, books a million, 
um, Indigo. Uh, uh, you can buy yeah, it. I imagine uh, we, we have a bookstore down here called booktopia.com.au, uh, so it'll be available there as well. Well worth the read. Stu, um, thanks so much, mate, for, for sharing how we can get past the Dobermans and, and get that <laughs> meeting. That could change our business and or personal lives. Clearly, it changed yours. And um, again, say hello to your wife. Stu Hynek, thanks for joining us on the Small Business Big Marketing Show. Thank you, because it's a big honour. <laughs> Well, there you go, team. Wall Street Journal cartoonist and father of contact marketing, Stu Hynek. If you managed to get the meeting of a lifetime after listening to that chat with Stu, please let me know, tim at timreed.com.au or hit me up on Twitter at Timbo Reed. I may well get you on the show to tell your own story. Now, here's what grabbed my attention from that chat. Attention grabber number one. Get creative with personalization. I love that. You know, we live in a world where personalization is a whole lot easier these days, um, whether it be in the physical form or you create a personalized video or piece of audio for someone. Um, it's certainly an awesome way to get attention. Attention grabber number two. Raise your expectations around your response rate. I think it's really interesting that mindset that Stu mentioned, which is to set a benchmark of 100% response rate. That's incredible. You know, like I said, you know, sometimes 5 10% is what we're looking for. Why not look? If you think 5 10%, that's 90% of people who aren't responding. So set it 100% and maybe your the energy that you put into that will shift. Another mindset shift he mentioned was be grateful for executive assistance. I like that as well. A lot of marketing is in the mind. Attention grabber number three, Create content and invite influencers on as guests. This is another great way of getting to key decision makers. I found that in podcasting. So go on, create that YouTube channel, create that podcast, create that awesome ebook or or blog and get people on as guests or contributors who you would really love to meet and, and create a network with. Well, that's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours be sure to block out some time in that diary of yours and implement it. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, yes, indeedly-doodly. It's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some serious marketing action. And today's winner is... Leo Miller of the food van down in Tasmania, Shred Burgers and Shimmy Shakes. <laughs> what a great name. I want one of them already. And Leo says, hey, Timbo, I've really enjoyed your podcasts. I've really? Does that mean he's no longer enjoying them? I'll take it as he still listens. I've really enjoyed your podcasts and get plenty of helpful tips, ideas, advice and motivation from them. What have I implemented? The main thing was your capstone brief in episode 425. I adjusted all my introductory emails and applications to this and find that I get into almost everything I apply for. Oh, I like that. That was a good episode. I enjoyed putting that together, episode 425. I've also added a few videos to my social media. Not enough, but it's a start, he says. And I just heard episode 470 and have started using Canva to make my new menus. I also found episode 467 with Michael Gerber from the E-Myth Brilliant 
and reassuring as I try to implement systems into my business so that it can run without me, and it often does now. Awesome. But above all, your show keeps me motivated and thinking big. We're actually on track to grow another 40 plus percent this financial year. Love your work, Timbo. Leo Miller uh, from what was the business? Shred Burgers and Shimmy Shakes. And he calls himself the main guy. I like a fun job title. I call myself the CEO, Chief Everything Officer. Hey, Leo, thank you for sending me that email. Uh, and how the ideas from this show are impacting on your business. As a result, you win a range of non-alcoholic spirits from Liars worth 500 bucks, more than that actually, uh, some boxing gloves from Fitness Enhancement, they're worth 40 bucks. access to Jeff Anderson's video marketing course, that's 197 bucks. a $50 Snackwise sample box, a $50 Sendle voucher, a 100 buck voucher to buy some tradies undies for you or your partner. You get some promotion on this show. That's got to be worth a bit. And a backlink in the show notes. Leo, you are a winner. Everyone else, if you haven't emailed me, do so. Tim at timreed.com.au. Tell me one idea you've implemented from this show that has impacted on your business in a positive way. If I read it out on air, you win. Before we wrap things up, just a reminder that there's hundreds more episodes full of ideas to grow your business over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you're getting value from listening, then don't keep it a secret. Be sure to let other business owners know about it. Next week, we catch up with an ex-school teacher turned product development expert. This podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reed, produced by Matt Dwyer. Until next week, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, get out there and take action.